Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. You can catch the show on the Stitcher app as well. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. My email is Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. And follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. Today's guest is Christine Honey, currently a member of Cups and a Half and the Worst Generation. Her first sketch is a game show parody called Is She Tired or Not Wearing Makeup? Christine and I are reading multiple roles, so let's go to the sketch. Typical game show atmosphere with bright flashing lights that say the title, Is She Tired or Not Wearing Makeup? Our host enters... She's wearing a business suit and looks very professional and strong as she enters the stage. Hello, I'm your host, Sandra Day Ginsburg, and here we are for another exciting episode of Is She Tired or Not Wearing Makeup? The game show where we test the perceptions of men and their ability to accurately discern women's appearances. Let's bring out today's contestant. Out walks a man in his late 20s, early 30s. He's wearing a plaid button-down shirt and looks as if he's trying his best to look casual, yet well-groomed. Hello there. State your name for the audience, please. Hey, my name is Michael Jason Stevenson, though my friends call me Mike, MJ, Stevenson, or Shotsky. Shotsky? Can you explain that one? Yeah, uh, I got it my freshman year of college after taking too many shots and uh, taking off my clothes. Except for my skis. <laughs> oh, the jock- jocular pastimes of the American white male. Now tell us, Mike, uh, tell us about yourself. I'm 28 years old and I work for an a- I work as an analyst for a financial company. Went to Penn State and I'm living in uh, Maniong. Um, I like beer. Been recently getting into, you know, craftier stuff. I'm in a fantasy football league too, but fucking Tom is kicking my ass. And uh, No worries, Mike. We definitely get the picture. Let's get to the game. Today we are going to show you women who you interact with on a regular basis. The plot is simple. Determine if the woman is tired or if she is wearing makeup. Sound simple? Uh, I guess. What do I get if I win? Great of you to ask. The respect of all women. Wait, what? What about money? <laughs> Let's bring out our first contestant. Out walks a woman in her mid-twenties. She's dressed in business casual manner. She appears confidently, even smiling. Wonderful. Michael, can you tell the name of this woman and how you know each other? I've never, I've never met her before in my life. Are you kidding me, Mike? Seriously? I see you every day. <laughs> Already off to a bad start. Mike, this is Stacy Corrigan. She works as UI designer at your company. Oh, you're Yogurt Girl. Excuse me? Yeah, me and the guys in data services call you Yogurt Girl because uh, you eat yogurt all the time. I can't believe this. Well, Mike, considering you and your friends have seemingly reduced Stacy's identity to a particular food group, let's see if you can tell if whether or not Stacy is tired or wearing makeup. Hmm. Um, tired? Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. You are very incorrect. Stacy is clearly simply not wearing makeup, though I suppose your lack of recognition did a number on her enthusiasm for appearing on this show. What a jerk. You are not inaccurate, Stacy. Go ahead and take a seat there on the left. Let's bring out our next contestant. Another woman in her mid to late 20s walks out. She is dressed in a polished, casual manner. She does not appear happy to be here. Hello, Mike. Now, Mike, let's hope you know who this is. Otherwise, you'd prove yourself to be a real piece of shit. Uh, Of course. I know who that is. That's my ex-girlfriend, Kate. 
tell us more about your relationship. We dated for three years in college, and then we broke up. I broke up with him because I caught him texting with another girl. Ouch, not looking too good here, Mike. Can you tell us, is Kate tired or not wearing makeup? Okay, I definitely got this. Kate is clearly not wearing makeup. You are not doing so well here, Mike. Kate is clearly tired. I'm literally wearing lipstick right now. How can you not know the difference? We dated for three years. Uh, wow. Not only am I tired, I'm tired of your crap. I think we all are, Kate. Now let's bring out our final female participant. A middle-aged woman walks out. She's dressed in a casual manner and looks fairly neutral about about appearing on the show. Mike, tell the audience who this woman is. Uh, this is, this is my Aunt Linda. Hey, Mikey, how are you? Aunt Linda, I told you not to call me that anymore. Oh, sorry, Michael. All right, Mike, you've already gotten two out of three wrong. Let's see if you can get this last one correct. Now let's get the audience to say it together. Is she tired or wearing makeup? Okay, uh, so, like, Linda never looks nice. I don't think she's even had a boyfriend, like, ever. So I'm going to go with not wearing makeup. Oof, Michael, incorrect again. Your Aunt Linda is tired. Mikey, that hurts my feelings, you know. Just because I don't like wearing makeup all the time doesn't mean I've never dated. It's just not a part of my aesthetic preference. Who cares if I haven't had a boyfriend? You know, sometimes people date folks of the same gender. Even if I don't look like I'm wearing any right now, can you blame me? I took a 5 a.m. flight to come here. Sorry, Michael. Looks like you've lost our game. As a loser, you'll have to find the way to gain the respect and trust of women, not only in your life, but all across the world. Um. Well, folks, we are out of time for today. Remember, make sure if you are really sure if you should ask the question, is she tired or just wearing makeup? Hey, Christine. Hey, how are you? All right, so tell me about this sketch. Uh, yeah, so this sketch, uh, she tired of wearing makeup, I think comes from um, any woman who wears makeup at some point has probably been asked that question. Yeah. Uh, and I think I just channeled like a lot of like frustration with dealing with like fuck boys into this sketch. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, I mean, the, the character is very specifically like... Manionk, craft beers, fantasy football, that casts a wide net of, I'm not going to say they're all douchebags, <laughs> but they're likely to be douchebags. Like, Yeah, <laughs> it, it is, it's for sure a stereotype. And I mean, I hate to stereotype people, but I think everybody's interacted with this kind of douchebag. Yeah, this, this person has definitely been around like Philadelphia and yeah it's like <laughs> went or to, went to Penn I'm State. sure every <laughs> yeah Penn State that was the other one or like every city has one you know you can you can perform this in Chicago and just flip a couple of the local references and mm-hmm. it still is a person that people everyone knows I actually had like another sketch idea at one point kind of like doing bro not like stereo like kind of bro stereotypes i i don't know what the premise exactly would be but the idea that like bros exist in every region there's mm. just slight quirks like yeah. the san diego surf bro or the new york city financial district bro. right 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 absolutely uh i think that's very true and probably can be done and accurate i guess <laughs> i don't know like uh so what got you to write this what 
So it's funny. I was looking at the timeline, like, because was re- I was actually originally a Microsoft Word document. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that shows how much I knew about sketch writing at that point. Remember well, the formatting is still pretty solid for it. Or did you re? I, I just like copied and pasted okay. in Celtics. Yeah, okay. I cheated. Uh, formatted in a Word document was actually fine. But I remember feeling very perplexed. Like, <laughs> how do you even write a sketch so it gets on the format? Uh, <laughs> I think I just wrote it to kind of start. Because this was even before I took a sketch class or was in um, cups. So, okay. yeah, I think I just was like, I have this idea. Let me try it out. Maybe something will happen with it. Yeah. So, okay. So, were when you wrote this, were you planning on doing classes? Were you planning on per- looking into comedy in Philly? Like, Yeah. So... I wrote this, I want to say October of 2016, and that would have been the year mark of me doing improv in Philadelphia. Okay, so you, yeah. you had already started doing like improv stuff. Okay. Yeah. But All right. Even from the beginning of doing improv, I always kept thinking and saying out loud, like, I think I want to write. Mm-hmm. But Good. I, yeah. that, that's the correct answer, by the <laughs> way, for this podcast is, uh, I did improv for a while, but I really wanted to write. That's right. That's correct. <laughs> okay, so tell me about improv. What? Where do you start? I'm assuming you go through the FIT curriculum. Curriculum. Yeah. Uh, so, Improv 101. Who was your instructor? Tara Demi. 201? Jessica Snow. Three? Steve Klein-Nedler. Did you do four? Uh, yeah, Greg Mon. And did you do a conservatory? No. Not yet? Okay. No. So, what's your introduction to comedy? What, what made you laugh growing up? Hmm, that's a great question. Um... You know, as a kid, I was, like, very much into cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was a big, like, Hey Arnold, Rugrats, um, Ren and Stampy, Rocko's Modern Life fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think just as a kid, I was always, like, pretty creative and, like, writing stupid stories okay. and acting out. And so, and, like, uh, I'm the youngest of three. Mm-hmm. And so I think kind of like a stereotype. The youngest uh, of four. And yeah. I'm, yeah being the comedian because you have to have your voice heard somehow <laughs> I think that's very fair yeah so I, I've always really liked laughing and my parents also have a really great sense of humor and um kind of another thing about being the youngest of three uh, uh my parents were great I think they kind of were very tired so they just weren't very strict about what I could also watch. yes <laughs> also true so we would watch things like Woody Allen's Broadway Danny Rose like on Thanksgiving okay <laughs> probably not age appropriate but. I, was gonna say, I don't think I, I know that one but I can't think of many Woody Allen movies that I would show to a child yeah that <laughs> Of a particular age. He plays like a hapless talent uh, agent. Okay. And he's dating like a mobster's what girlfriend on this side. Like, so he's, she's having an affair with Woody Allen's character. And everybody he like represents is just like a complete talentless hack. Like, I think there's like a ventriloquist. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it like takes place during Thanksgiving, maybe. So okay. that's why my parents put it on. I'm not really sure. It's been a few years since I've seen it. So. Okay. <laughs> we probably don't need to no, revisit it. <laughs> yeah, but um, I guess also that, like, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was somebody who was, like, as a kid, I was like, oh, I want to do comedy, mm-hmm. but I've always liked it and right. always watched it, and especially in high school, I think I was more when I really, like, kind of dove into comedy and watching it. Like, what, in high school, what would it be for you? A lot. So, uh, I think... 
Like I would come day. I, I I never would really stay up for a Daily Show and Colbert Report, but I would watch them after school. All right. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> okay, I need to process the the idea that Colbert Report was on when you were in high school for a moment. Like, <laughs> there's a, there's a part of me that whenever someone's younger than me, I just I'm just like. <laughs> All I'm right, probably breathe. not as young as you think, though. I'm 26, so. Okay, that's okay. Yeah. Okay, that's, all right. Then that's not as bad as I like. Although, I, I remember when Colbert Report like split off. Yeah. So okay. I. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's not as bad as no. I was preparing myself for. <laughs> I'm 19. <laughs> I know. So that was kind of like one brand of humor, like uh, the political kind of humor. Mm-hmm. And then I think just like any teenager, you sometimes are bored on Saturdays. And so like Comedy Central at that point would always show just like old. Or not even old, but, like, a lot of, like, teen comedies mm-hmm. from, like, 2000s. Yeah, um, I remember, like, Van Wilder was on repeat Van, all the time. Van or, Wilder, Saving Silverman, yeah. Super Troopers. So that kind of, like, really started getting me into comedy. Also, uh, Wet Hot American Summer, like, one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. ever. Um, and kind of from there, also, Stella, which mm-hmm. obviously was a TV show, but... <clears throat> got really into those guys and then oddly enough uh I like just remember this now I was also really a big fan of that whole series like I love the 80s I love the 70s I love the 90s yeah okay yeah I I have an unironic love for those shows too like Mm -hmm. those VH1 like talking heads uh if they could the even the dumb ones like the top 100 songs of the of the 80s even those I love those too like me too but it, it because of those shows it introduced me to like a whole generation of comedians mm-hmm. so I'm actually quite grateful because yeah, they weren't if, taking it too seriously yeah if you look back at a couple of them like Pan Oswald uh, Paul F. Tompkins is mm-hmm. like like Hal Sparks yeah uh, like, Jesse Klein uh, yeah. like you know obviously like Michael Ian Black like uh, yeah so from there I like actually really appreciative of those series <laughs> absolutely like absolutely and i kind of wish like vh1 would like bring them out of the mothballs every once in a while just be like hey you enjoyed these a while ago let's do them again i mean now gosh the 2010s are almost over maybe they could do a reboot of the they, series they did the, <laughs> they did do the 2000s really close like yeah like i feel like they did like the first five years in like 08 and mm-hmm. then so they can totally you know let's get Come on, Michael William Black, get back in it. You can do it. Come on. <laughs> he would probably hate himself if he had to do it again. I know. I feel. Like, this was when I was green and not. Well, I guess at that point they were sort of established, but yeah, uh, they're probably above it now. We have children. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I would say those were like. Oh yeah, and then besides that, like I loved Thursday nights on NBC because that was like the Office, yeah. Thirty Rock yeah. community, like. Yeah, that uh, as unpopular as it was in ratings. That was a really quality block that right. uh, is just, I don't understand why it was so unpopular in the ratings. Like, like I don't under, like office went, I think what, was eight years at mm-hmm. nine years. And it was never like anywhere close to the top rated comedies, but it's like, it's so close to a cult comedy instead of a popular one to me. I, it's really bizarre to me. I don't understand it. I mean, I, it's, it's funny. I, I mean, I was the perfect demographic to be able to watch that because on the Thursday night, I was, like I said, I was in high school, so I wasn't doing anything when yeah. I was home. But I can imagine, like, for people maybe in their, like, 20s, 30s, they're doing yeah. things. Um, and just the way we watch TVs changed even. Because this was, and I graduated high school, like, eight, n- no, nine years ago now, coming this year. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, so I think, like, at that point, there wasn't Netflix. So, like, these yeah. shows that I think people could get into, it was just, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I wonder if, 
Um, because like I remember reading that Big Bang Theory wasn't a huge show until it hit TBS. When TBS started airing it, everyone like it became a bigger number. Like, and I wonder if Netflix. I mean, if Netflix were around and The Office got in, mm-hmm. would it have bumped it up even more? Or possibly. I don't know. That's it also kind of blows my mind that TBS is the reason why Big Bang Theory is so popular. Yeah, but like. You can see, I mean, it did decently for the first, like, four seasons, but when it goes to TBS, it bumps, like, there's a clear (laughs) bump in, like, the fifth or sixth season, and it's bizarre. Okay, so you had mentioned Stella. Yes. Which is definitely an acquired taste Mm -hmm. in comedy, just like what How American Summer is. Um, What's your intro, like, you didn't really mention any other real sketch shows or sketch comedy. I guess I should say, like, I... I watched SNL, uh, and that was that's always kind of been like a constant in some other form or fashion. Um, when do you get introduced to SNL? Like, what do you remember? Like, so I remember bits and pieces of it as like a kid mm-hmm. being on Comedy Central, and th- so that would have been the era with like you know Chris Farley, Adam Sandler, right? Um, and then later on, like Will Ferrell, Anna Gasteyer. But I didn't really start like kind of watching it here and there until high school Mm. and so that would have been the Andy Samberg like Horatio Sands kind of years Mm -hmm. uh Bill Hader um Chris Parnell and then it wasn't really till college and that so that would have been with the like inclusion of like Kristen Wiig um that I really like started to kind of like pay attention Uh, to it who's your favorite Saturday Night Live cast member all time god that's really hard question um I don't know there's a lot. There's a, there's a lot I like. Uh, <laughs> you know, I do have a real soft spot for Bill Hader, mm-hmm. just because I think he's a very versatile. Mm-hmm. He he can be like the crazy weird character, but then also kind of be a good straight man. Yeah. Um, but then I also have a soft spot for like Will Forte because I think he can just be like balls to the walls he, weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I notice with like comedy, I like weird characters like that. Mm-hmm. Like. For instance, in Seinfeld, like, I love Kramer. And I think, okay. like, that's a very specific type of humor. Like, yeah. most people say, like, George. Yeah. Yeah, most yeah, people say George. Kramer's, yeah, Kramer's <laughs> uh, character almost doesn't fit within the world of Seinfeld to me. Like He's weird. He's that bizarre and out there compared to the other three. Like, it's bizarre to me that, like, you have this one crazy person with three straight men versus where it's generally crazy one straight person. Yeah. Yeah. In comedy. But I think it works because he just kind of adds this little pepper of like bizarreness that I think part of the reason why I think people like Seinfeld is because generally it was a fairly mundane show. And the situations, while they were heightened, they weren't so removed from reality. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the episode where they go to the mall and they lose their car in the parking lot. Like, who hasn't done that? (laughs) Or, you know, Chinese restaurant. The fact that the entire episode takes place in the waiting area of a Chinese restaurant. Like, yep. In almost real time, like, which is so bizarre for a, a sitcom. Jerry breaking up with somebody because they're a close talker or any <laughs> other reason. Um, but yeah, Will Ferrell. Well, I mean, Will Forte and yeah. Bill Hader are definitely, you know, I love, I love, and I, I've mentioned this many, many times. I think it's like one of his first episodes, but Bill Hader does, uh, Al Pacino checks his bank balance <laughs> and it's legitimately like one of his first first or second episode he did that I was like oh he's he's perfect he's 
he's gonna be on the show for a while he like and it's just so funny to me it's it's one of my favorite things the last however many years I loved it yeah and Forte is so bizarre and last man on earth have you are you have you watched that I have that? seen it yeah it's last it's man great. on earth is one of the the best things on right now I love it I I can't sing that pra- those praises enough like I've only seen the first season and I'm also bad with watching tv I actually don't watch that much tv and which people get very like but I have ADD so I get very like impatient and um Usually my big TV time is actually starting about now because it's colder out, so I don't go out of my house as much. And so usually what I'll do is I'll pick like two – I like generally just like we'll pick two series and then just binge watch them like the whole winter. Binge Last Man on Earth. Do it. Okay. Do it. You can yell at me if you hate it, but you're not going to. You're not going to hate it. It's so bizarre and so awesome. I love it. Nice. Um, everyone should be binging Last Man on Earth if it's if everything's out there. I think it's on Hulu, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so – did, you mentioned performing as a kid and like playing within the family. Do you perform at all in high school? Did you do any like plays or musicals or? Yeah. So when I was in high school, I did musical. My school only had musicals because it was a very small high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, I don't sing that well. So I generally was just like a background character, right. like in the chorus. Um, and it was fun. And I, you know, had a lot of good memories from that. But it actually like kind of, I don't know, I felt like kind of discouraged from it because uh yeah i can imagine being a minor character <laughs> or if even sh- like, <laughs> or or nothing or just you know being part of the ensemble can be i think that's one of the reasons why i never did things and like because i thought mm-hmm. like oh i'm probably not a good singer yeah i'm not even gonna try like yeah i immediately dumped on myself so i i have that problem too with like for i've for always had that problem and like even as a kid like i did write like little stories and like was pretty creative mm-hmm. but I remember like I was in second grade and I wrote we were, we were supposed to write a story and I had included dialogue in my story the teacher actually yelled at me for that she was like that's too advanced you're not allowed to write a story with dialogue and now I look back I'm how like, was what? it a story then like I don't know what teacher does that <laughs> but it like, really like discouraged me I'm so mad yeah like how do you write a story without dialogue like I still I don't remember that. it was like they were it was like three kids uh, and they were they were like vampires. And they were going to like hunt them like I, I, I probably still have it somewhere. But uh, yeah, so kind of through that. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like everything was terrible. It just mm. I even though I had these creative impulses, like I definitely like buried them pretty deeply by the time I finished high school. And so so where do you get to taking improv classes? So. Yeah, I should say, so I graduated college and then spent two years in my college town. And during the time I was in college, didn't do anything creative. Sure. Really just was focused on school and then partying. But I actually had friends who did sketch comedy at Rutgers, which is where I went. Okay. So like, I and I, I went and saw, I think, a couple shows of them. So it was like somewhat in my life. And I was at the point like watching comedy all the time, mm-hmm. really watching SNL. But yeah, as far as doing improv... Um, I think I like kind of went through that quarter life crisis that happens after college (laughs) where you're like, all you do, I I just reached this point where I was like, all I do is work and then come home, maybe watch TV, read, maybe like exercise. Once in a while I do that. (laughs) Most of the time I don't. Uh, (laughs) And then like, yeah, on weekends, like maybe party, but it just felt kind of like, I don't know, I just felt empty and hollow. And Mm. um, after living in New Brunswick for two years, I moved back home to this area where my parents live okay. and uh, 
I think at that point I maybe read Tina Fey's autobiography, which is, I'm sure, like, how many white girls are like, I read Tina Fey's biography, and that's why I decided to do comedy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness, what kind of stuck with me from that was Tina Fey mentioned, like, when she was at UVA, she never got cast in any parts. And part of what she liked about improv was that that allowed her an outlet to perform without having to, like, audition sure. or get cast for something. Or I guess you still get cast on right. It's yeah, But it's different. It's not like, I don't know. So... Uh, I was like, oh, well, okay, this seems like an easy way I can, like, get my foot in the door with performing, and also I, like, just really wanted to make friends. <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, I had friends from high school still around, but... But there's a difference between yeah. meeting people at the bars and hanging out with right. people at the bars and hanging out with people doing improv and yeah. creative... Yeah, there's a huge difference between that. Exactly. So... Yeah, I signed up for Fit two years ago in how, October. Yeah. How did you know about? How did you find out about Fit? I think I just googled Philadelphia Improv. Okay. Um, and at that point there was no good, or there wasn't good good classes, so it was either Fit or Comedy Sports. I think with went with Fit because at the time they were cheaper. <laughs> yeah, and I think and and Comedy Sports is a very specific thing. Like. Yeah. Like, which you know, if you're into the Comedy Sports motif of that short form mm-hmm. versus what fit's gonna teach you you know it's it's just different I actually do like short form I I liked whose line is it anyway as a kid so and there's a lot of good people I know who do stuff at comedy sports so they do good stuff yeah uh but yeah to sign up for a class at fit and then kind of you know all of a sudden was like hey this is cool um and then I almost feel like it like rewired my brain in a way to start like I think I've always had a sense of humor uh I mean otherwise why would I do this but um like I started to make more of like a conscious effort to think about like what could make a situation weird or funny or absurd. Um, cause I was thinking like, Oh, that would be good for like A to C and improv. Um, but then I like kept thinking about like, Oh, that would make a really funny improv scene. But then I'm like, well, you can't really, (laughs) that's not how improv works. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I think that's where it was like, huh, well maybe, maybe I should start writing cause I'm just like generating these ideas. Um, and then, unfortunately, I didn't start writing as soon as I would have liked because I worked a job that was terrible and was, like, I was working 12-hour days constantly. <laughs> so I just, like, barely had time to do this one hobby. Um, yeah, so I, from 101, uh, no, from 201, so I had a class with a few people. Mm. And it was Alyssa Trzaski was in both my 101 and 201. Okay. And from there, we... A, f- a bunch of us formed Pig Dipper or the improv team we're on, but right, okay. I, w- I want to say it was like around last fall, winter, that it was like, hey, you know, Alexis Howlands, somebody in my 301, she mentioned wanting to do writing. I, I know you want to do writing too, Christine. Maybe we should see if we could get some sort of like writing group together. Right, because in talking, I've talked to Alyssa and Alexis before, yeah, and they both mentioned, uh, they posted something on impro- improveries or improveries mm-hmm. or however you say it, you know, that your secret Facebook group I'm not allowed in. We uh, talk about you <laughs> all, all the, the time. time. I know. <laughs> That's Every comedy boy <laughs> listening to this, we talk about you specifically all the time. But that there was a post put out and, you know, a group of people came out and I think, you know, Jolie and Courtney, uh, Painter. Courtney Painter showed up to be supportive and then mm-hmm. Jolie became the director and, Cubs and Heavy came, and I remember uh, trying to keep up with stuff, and uh, Jolie had the new show at Good Good, The, the Look, mm-hmm. 
And then it, you know, cups and a half. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Who is that? Why aren't people telling me who this is? So um, what's the experience been of starting of starting a sketch group like that? Like, I mean, you said, Alyssa and you were in, one, in improv classes together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susanna and Ruthie, where are they? So Susanna was also in the same improv class with Alyssa and I, and also okay. in Pig Dipper with us. And then Ruthie was the sole, well, I guess I shouldn't say sole. It was Ruthie Iglesias and then uh, Julia Owens, who I don't think she's on a sketch team, but I know she's she's, and, yeah, she's, and doing then she's things. around. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Came to the meeting, and then I think Julia just at the time couldn't commit to being in a group, mm-hmm. so that's kind of how it came together. Um, but as far as you know, forming it. I mean, it's been pretty natural. Um, you know, we don't really have that many guidelines to go off of except some guidance from like Jolie, Mm. but, um, I think we're all pretty supportive of each other. We were all starting at the same point. So it was just kind of like there to succeed. Um, something I like about it is, you know, uh, the writing we do, it's, it's very collaborative. Like somebody might come with drafts, but, um, you know, the feedback and guidance we give each other. I mean, I think we all take it very seriously. And mm-hmm. I like writing that way. I think it makes you stronger and I like collaborating. It probably makes me feel like a part of a group. <laughs> well, I mean, you are, there's five, like that is a group. No, I know, but I can imagine <laughs> that there's somebody out there who's just like, Oh, I'm only doing this as a means to an end. <laughs> well, well, yeah, absolutely. Cause, uh, I'm sure there's people out there that are like, I'm going to do this to get to my, you know, yeah. Saturday Night Live and blah, 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 like... What's the fun in that, though? I mean, if you get on Saturday Night Live, I'm sure that's fun. Like, I guess. If you actually get it, it's cool. Yeah. Like, we're not going to poo-poo on that right away. So... Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do the look, and then... Yes. Uh, I want to say there's a, you open for one of the Fit House teams. Do- uh, Dog Mountain. No, no, sorry. Like, not Dog Mountain. They're great. Goat Rodeo. <laughs> like in, I guess that was, like, early spring early spring late winter yeah I, I think and then you guys do sketch fest and yeah i believe there's Bechtel test fest Bechtel test, that. right because that's when i talked to Alyssa. I think they uh, do. oh we did a show at the treehouse mm-hmm. um and we did charm city yeah yeah and then now you've uh you've won dirtiest sketch on your first <laughs> year in. so uh tell me about your dirtiest sketch should I explain what it is or tell like how the, it was the genesis of it. You can explain as much of it as you want <laughs> All right, as fair. you're comfortable with. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah. So we thought about joining Dirtiest Sketch cause we were like, this sounds fun. Um, and I think that was like a very collaborative, like I think Susanna ultimately like wrote it, but I think yeah. all of us were there to kind of like come up with the idea. The premise is that, um, it's three Catholic schoolgirls praying to the Virgin Mary to get their periods um, because they had sex on prom night. And so I think the original idea was like, well, we want to make fun of the fact that like Catholic schools generally have terrible sex education. So right. highlight that fact. Um, and then to make it dirty and gross, have lots of fake blood. And then... Yeah, because Al- well, Alyssa yeah. and I were working together on um, the a sinker sketch. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I asked her about, I was like, are you guys doing Dirty Sketch? She's like, yeah, we signed up. I was like, okay, good. Uh, what are you guys doing? And she was like, uh, we have this idea, and it involves fake blood. I was like, okay, okay, that's cool. Okay, good. You, no one told me about the chocolate syrup. Like, <laughs> And by the way, chocolate syrup is now banned, or hot fudge or whatever it was, is now banned from all my shows. 
all I the unfo- dirty sketch shows. I unfortunately think that might have been my idea, <laughs> so I'm sorry. Well, I, I, it, it's not the problem that we should have picked up the tarp after you. You're, we we didn't need the tarp anymore. We could have completely just left yeah. it, you know, because <laughs> everyone just kept walking along it. And oh like, <laughs> no, the poor theater is probably so sticky. We cleaned it up. And that's why it's banned. Yeah, sorry. Uh, that's all right. It's kind of crazy everything we've done in this year. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It, I'm, I'm, I've heard that it, it kind of waxes and wanes with Philadelphia in terms of like at some points it feels like, oh, my God, everybody's doing sketch versus yeah. like I think when we started, it was maybe more of a lull. I think maybe groups were moving away because there's the inevitable exodus to New York, L.A., Chicago. Yeah. Um, and people just get busy with lives and adult stuff so yeah. Um, um yeah so you recently joined the worst generation yes how were were you one of the because i know they were looking for writers did you submit a packet yeah i did it's like I, like did like the that new packet uh submission audition yeah the process. first the first round that they were looking for packets which i think was the same time Fezziwig was i didn't yeah apply because that they, was when i was still working my terrible job uh, that the, they would have been with the decoy. Oh, it was decoy. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't apply that round. Um, and I didn't apply around for Fezziwig's round either. Cause yeah, like I said, I was working this terrible job, but, mm-hmm. but then this, this next, this last round of worst generation accepting packets, I was like, yes, finally, like I can actually apply to this. I've mm-hmm. written enough material and not just like old cup sketch, like new stuff. Um, so yeah, you know, put, put together a packet applied and, got in <laughs> um with has cuffs and have done any video work yet like we haven't we we've talked about it it's just the logistics of it is yeah. difficult so how is it writing for specifically a video for video material versus mm-hmm. being live like i like it a lot um it actually i think works very well for me because it helps kind of create like an easy divide between all right what sketch do i think would be a good worst gen sketch versus cup sketch sure um, okay that way like I, I i equally love the sketches i've pitched to both but there are just certain things where it's just easier to do on stage versus digital and mm. vice versa um and i think something that's kind of nice is that uh with worst gen um my style and sense of humor i think meshes well with the team i think i can say that um lots of darkness and death jokes (laughs) (laughs) and i think cups is pretty similar uh just usually with like a feminist bent but i was about to say there's that the one cup show i saw was really just down with a lot of the material there was a lot of like (laughs) death and i think there's a funeral sketch and i think there's another one too the funeral haunted house auditions mm-hmm. or right is yeah that? uh there was that there was the rock which is the bunker one yeah uh, there's a teen funeral there was a bit of darkness to everything so far i think it's not everything but enough of it well i think it's gonna keep <laughs> continuing on <laughs> not just from me <laughs> um okay so you you you're joining a group that has been a thing before mm-hmm. versus creating a group together with this with another group of people how is it joining a new uh, an already established group i guess i should you know i am fortunate that i did know most of the people like half yeah. the people on worst generation because like i've known courtney from 
like she was my two-on-one class putting improv and then came to that mm-hmm. meeting for cups and then Rob Aliciani is my improv coach for Pick Dipper okay and then I think I've just met John randomly here and there yeah just around and yeah um and then I think to their testament uh Max Sittenfield Casey Hogan Evan Don um they're super great and wonderful mm. um I haven't really met Jessica Smith. She's in Boston. If you're listening to this, Jess, I didn't forget you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And I think the spirit of collaboration exists in all writing writers' rooms. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not all, but at least with Worst Generation, it's there as well. Um, I will admit I was very nervous the first pitch meeting because I always am doubting myself. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. what if my pitches are terrible? And they're going to be like, we regret I was going to say, they're going to fire you immediately. And like, yeah. But yeah. then the one joke I pitched got a laugh. And I was like, all right, I think I'm okay. <laughs> like, phew. All right. This fits. <laughs> uh, do you have a, prefer- do you have a pe- uh, preference of doing it live or doing video I wouldn't it's different um I like both I really just like writing and Mm. I think both allow you to do different things for the audience um I like the idea of shocking an audience and giving them something that they don't expect Mm -hmm. and um I with stage and digital you can achieve that in different ways um so I, I, you know, I, and I, I like performing and there's a certain thrill to it that you don't get obviously doing digital, but obviously doing something like digital, you can get such like a fun and clean product and, mm. you know, use camera tricks to achieve things that you can on stage. So I, I wouldn't say I have a preference. I like both. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I'm sorry. Cop out. That's whatever. I hate both teams. <laughs> I really just want to do stand up. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, you could go ahead. No, I, I I don't think I want to do stand up. <laughs> I've thought about it because sometimes I have jokes that I think could work in that format, but then I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> or just giving it to someone else. Like, yeah, here, I wrote the joke for you. Yeah. yeah I mean, that might work. Yes. Um, so is there something that you've learned from comedy so far? Um, I mean, you've been doing improv for a couple of years. You've done sketch for about a, a year or so. Uh, and, you, and you guys and Cops and Half have packed in a lot in that year mm-hmm. um, for the most part. Uh, what's something you've learned about comedy or something that comedy has taught you about life? Um, hmm, that's a really great question. I mean, I think doing comedy is kind of, to some extent, and this sounds like grandiose, but it's sort of given a purpose. I think the idea of being creative felt very far away to me for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I just felt that there were types of people that were creative people and then kind of like everyone else. And I felt like I was sort of in that everyone else boat where I was like, well, I don't, I I don't know if I have anything to really offer or Mm -hmm. say. Um, And kind of doing it, it's given me enough of a confidence to feel like, oh, like even if I'm not doing anything that's good, at least I'm doing it and it gives me joy. And, um, I think being creative and doing comedy kind of, I don't know, it allows me to sort of view the world with a lens that makes it more manageable. A lot of life, I think, is not very easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's a lot going on, not even just on a larger scale with politics and stuff, but just like your general day-to-day can be Yeah, there's a lot of things that can be a bummer, like... 
and it's very easy for a good day to go bad. And it, and I kind of think that it's much harder for a bad day to get good. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's bad news is much more pervasive and much more powerful to like pound you down. And, but a good, something funny, something like it, there's a difficulty in cheering someone up. Like I feel almost, um, but kind of jumping off that, but it also, but it's also like significantly more rewarding and satisfying than bumming someone like, that's a weird way of saying it. That's all going to get cut out. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, I could go into why we learned how we learned about catharsism and you know in my AP English class and why people like reading things like Homer and or not Homer, uh, you know Macbeth or whatnot. <laughs> but um, no, uh, but it's funny what you were saying. How it's harder to go from a bad day to a good day. I mm-hmm. found that comedy kind of lets me do that. Yeah, because I have had terrible days where I'm just like I fucking hate everything and then I will go home and write or go to a cups practice or go to improv or even just see a show and it instantly makes me feel better and gets Mm -hmm. me out of my head um so yeah and I think it's just it helps you kind of see the magic in in day-to-day living weird stuff goes on all the time you just have to pay attention to it yeah Um, yeah I think uh, when I start like seeing weird people doing weird things, instead of it letting it me annoy that like annoy me, there's a part of me that's sparking like, can I steal this for a character? Can I? Yep. Can I? Can this be a person for me? Like, I, let's watch him a little closer yep. and see what's happening. Like, I it's funny because I've I, I joke that I have resting nice face and okay. that also just for whatever reason like pe- the women in my family we always kind of talk about how like people just talk to us like I don't want to say crazy because that's not fair if somebody's like ill but uh just absurd characters they, they don't have to be mentally ill or anything and so lately I've been kind of like leaning into that more than I think I would have used to <laughs> for that reason I like sometimes before practice at worst gen I'll like sit in Rittenhouse just to get some fresh air and like one time I was there some man just starts talking to me about um I feel terrible. It's some sort of form of martial arts he does. Not like a common one. <laughs> okay. Uh, but he was describing to me why it was more effective than karate. And it was... Well, how does this person, like, he just comes up to you and starts, like, telling you about his martial arts? He was sitting... We were we were each sitting in, on different benches, and he was on, you know, parallel to me. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. He just kind of looked over and was like probably asked this person needs to know about my martial arts yep probably asked me a question i like what time is it well blah blah <laughs> i know the martial arts he does started by a woman apparently okay uh he also gave me two coupons for a gym in center city so it's probably well he it was he was saying that he goes to that gym and he just gets referral bonuses right so, yeah gave me that um but before comedy that probably would have still happened but now but, i'm just you're, maybe you're not embracing it, but you're embracing the possibilities of that person after, like, because that, that's a weird thing. And oh, yeah. yeah. He had a rat tail. <laughs> 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 so, oh. you know, 
You knew he was a character, but <laughs> he was—he was really nice. I think he lives in Germantown. He takes his girlfriend. you see a rat tail in 2017, yep. you just know it's gonna be a good time. Like it's either a character like that or somebody who's like super alternative punk. <laughs> and I feel like the super alternative punks don't happen as much for me—at least for me. They probably like, wouldn't randomly start talking. To right. Me. <laughs> uh, and then, I mean, you mentioned it a little bit in that answer, but why do you do it? Why I do comedy? Yeah. You know, as opposed to, I mean, like why I write fiction, or, or yeah, like instead of you know writing a novel or like joining a bowling league or some other way of spending two nights a week or three nights a week or however you know. This isn't a two nights, three nights a week thing. Josh is well, a lifestyle. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, like I always talk. We I very much I often mention hobby mm-hmm. as a thing. Because this isn't your career, this no. isn't your job. This is a hobby, for better or worse. Yeah. And I think that's a a positive thing. I think that's oh, a yeah. positive connotation of the word hobby. Because I don't think other people have that. I I very much do that. Like this is how I choose to spend my free time. Like mm-hmm. versus joining a bowling league or video games or some awful thing that just doesn't sound good to me like <laughs> um so so why comedy as your free time I think like a lot of people maybe not a lot like a, I think comedy definitely attracts people who maybe are somewhat like sad um and I think like I think no matter what I'm always gonna be just a little sad <laughs> it's probably okay. not like in a bad way it's just um, Which I, I would never really pick out with the resting nice face, like. I yeah I know, but it's it's kind of that saying like the people that are most cheerful on the exterior maybe aren't as much okay. on the inside, and no worry, no one needs to call a therapist or anything. It's more, <laughs> I think it's just that feeling of like, why am I on this planet? Um, why am I here? Like I can't help but think about those things mm-hmm. all the time, and. Um, you know, like I almost, I used to think, especially when I was in high school, I'm like, what, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I just like enjoy this? Like everybody else, like, why do I have to be the one that's just like super cynical or questioning everything? Um, and I think comedy kind of allows me to one, have an outlet for those thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. And then two, actually do something that gives me enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me feel like, well, at least I'm putting something out there in the world and I'm not just eat, sleep, repeating. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully that wasn't too real of an answer. Everyone's like, all right, where's her therapist? It's what I want. It's (laughs) it's why I asked. Like, because, you know, you have people that are like, oh, starting alive. Like, I want to be rich. And, like, that's not as good as, like, you know, putting joy into the world or trying to figure out, you know, existence and all that stuff. That's, That's all perfectly good. And, yeah, because it's funny, like, I love comedy, and I've always watched it, liked it. And, you know, it's funny, like, I'm going to listen to this later on and be like, oh, I forgot to mention all the other comedic things I liked in high school. But um, at the end of the day, that actually wasn't what pushed me into it, you mm-hmm. know? Because I, I think everyone watches, not everyone watches TV. Most people watch TV, and most people watch comedic things. Um, and I really don't trust the people that don't, like, because I, I know a couple of people that are like, oh, well, I watch comedy. I'm like, no, I don't want anything to do with you. Like, <laughs> oh. I know. They're, those are the same people who, like, I don't know. They 
can't just like read a fiction book like they have to read like or if they are it's like uh you know I'm trying like Anna Karenna like they can't and I'm like all right come on you're on the beach are you really gonna (laughs) are you really gonna read uh you know Don DeLillo or um David Foster Wallace like just enjoy yourself yeah uh, (laughs) because I remember I had to read a lot for AP English but I think they were good and then at one point we read Lord of the Ring or no it was The Hobbit so that was like enjoyable sure and then maybe Catcher in the Rye, which I was like, yeah, I'm also angsty. I love you, Holden Caulfield. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I read Catcher in the Rye in in high school. And then I had this great idea of reading it again in my 20s. Mm-mm. And I was just like, this guy's a door. Like, oh, this guy's <laughs> awful. I would imagine if I read it again, I would feel the same way. Like, get over yourself. Like, I, I don't think I got into like 40 pages of it. I'm just like, no, this guy's a total two locks. Like, yeah. I'm done with you, Holden. Like... Well, because, you know, when you're a teenager, I think, I don't know, it's like the first time you're uh, conscious. That, or, I, I don't know what it is that it, yeah. it's, it, but it's it's where you start forming opinions and like thinking of yourself as like a part of this world. Um, but I think because it's your first time, like you assume, and I think in general, as people, we take experiences and process them and then think, well, that's probably true. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but I'm like, I think we've also entered like a post-truth society because now people can just read fake news and believe what they want. Well, anyways, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Sorry, but <laughs> sorry, I ramble. Um, we can talk about post-truth like, or <laughs> the Colbert truthiness, like, <laughs> which is really even more like almost like prophetic now Seriously. that we think about it. Um, but I think, so when you're in high school, like you just assume, oh, everything's going to be like this for the rest of my life. And in a way, I'm, because I was very, like, I was not happy in high school. I didn't have, like, a ton of friends. Mm. I felt very, like, isolated and alone being in this building. And I was just like, oh, like, just get me out of here. I just want to be independent and free. And because of that, though, like, I just assumed that the hierarchy that exist in high school would exist for the rest of my life. And then I went to college and, like, made friends and was like whoa yeah like they're cool people out here and so i think holden caulfield just needed to go to school and yeah 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 holden Caul- like catcher and rise definitely a high school book that never has to ever see the light outside of high school thanks I mean, christine Christine can be seen next as Cups and Half presents The Man, the Myth, the Legend at Good Good Comedy on Sunday, December 17th at 8.30 p.m. Head to Good Good Comedy for more information. You can also check out videos from the Fit Video House team, The Worst Generation, on YouTube and Facebook. Just search for The Worst Gen. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at PHLSketchFest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to watercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. And you can like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.